The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Come on, how many of us would admit that our big fat mouth gets us in trouble? Let's raise our hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, just real quick before we jump in, grand opening is next week for that kids wing and uh, really encourage you in your program is a little card, invite card. This is a great time really to invite a family member, invite a friend, invite somebody who lives near you or somebody at work to join us uh, next Sunday. It's going to be a great time for families and again, it's a whole family thing, but uh, it's going to be awesome. I also want to let you know that at the end of our fourth service next Sunday, so our last service, um, uh, it is a, kind of an open house for everybody because during Sunday with all the families and kids and checking and all that, it's not just open to take a tour, but we would encourage you if you're at maybe at an earlier service to come to service, go out to breakfast, come back, and about 1.15, 1.30, it'll be open for a couple hours just for people to come and check out what it looks like and, and all that stuff. So I encourage you to check that out as well. Um, we're in a series called My Big Fat Mouth. Like I said, today is part three. And um, if you got a Bible with you, I encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. It's in the New Testament, little ways in, and uh, we're going to walk through that. I'm going to be in a few other places as well. I encourage note-taking inside your program. as a little spot you can take notes on that white sheet. Of course, if you have a little journal or something, that works as well. Um, here's a phrase that sends chills down probably any one of our spines in different moments of our lives. Honey, does this blank make me look... And you can fill in the blank any way you want, but for every one of us, it's like, pause. Now, how you answer that is going to really determine the course of your future in some way or another. And so, um, how many of us would admit we've ever told a lie? Just raise your hand real quick. Come on, how many of us would admit that? Okay, yeah, the rest of us are lying. So, okay, um, but uh, how many would admit that you've told a lie in the last 24 hours? Just raise your hand, okay? Very few hands, okay? Now, here's the thing. We're willing to admit, oh, at some point in my life, in the last 40 years I've been alive, I've told a lie. But when we say in the last 24 hours, like, people are going to think I'm a liar if I raise my hand, and now you're just a liar. So, um, but there's a University of Massachusetts study that was done that says 60% of people cannot go 10 minutes in a conversation without lying. And, and the question becomes why? And yes, there are individuals out there that are compulsive liars. I've met a couple of people in my life that you're having conversations or you're getting to know them and pretty quickly things start not adding up and, and, and little by little you begin to go, something's way off here. And me personally, I'm kind of like, you know, I got to distance myself because I can't live in like that twilight zone world. Some people, few people are compulsive liars, but on the other end, more of us, we lie because we're trying to impress other people. We're trying to avoid conflict. We're trying to get away with something or we're shifting blame towards someone else. Or we say sometimes, you know, I didn't tell the truth. I was just trying to be nice. And so we excuse it. There's lies we tell that are gigantic lies. We put things on a resume and go, I know I never went to that college, but I'll put it on there anyway or whatever. There's big things like that. And then there's lies that we call little white lies. And it's almost like because we call them little white lies that that's okay too and we can just do that and it isn't any big deal. And yet if you're taking notes, write down Proverbs 12, verse 22. It says this, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 21. Paul said this as he's writing a letter to the church at Ephesus, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, 
throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. God, today as we stop and pray, I would ask that you would move in in each of our hearts realizing that we can all admit over the course of our lifetime we've told lies. But God, I pray that we would reflect on even momentarily how we've lived the last 24 hours, the last week, the last month of our lives, and where have we, we call it maybe bending the truth, or God, we call it little white lies, or it's no big deal because our motive was okay, that ultimately we would get down to the heart of why we lie and what you would have us do instead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Paul, and and, and he's going to write something else to the church at Colossae, so we're going to read that here in a little bit. But here in in Ephesians, we've got chapter 4, and he specifically is focusing on, for all of us, this idea that before Christ, before Jesus, for people entered the picture, he says, you've heard about Jesus, you've learned the truth that comes from him. But he says, throw off your old sinful nature, your old, your former way of life. And what he's saying is, for, for many of us, it would go, you know, my life began with Christ at this point. For some people, you know, I grew up in church, I've always been a part of this, it is what it is. But for some, we can go, there was definitely this picture of what used to be in my life. I know I can attest to that. I got a few things I'm going to share here in a little bit about a former life. But our former lives, Paul is saying, is a life of deception a life of lies, a life that isn't true, and we sort of think, apart from Christ, that somehow that's okay. It's just no big deal to live that way. Paul is saying we we can't, if we we, we know the truth about Jesus, if we know it, we can't live in that former way of life. He said, instead, let the Spirit renew our thoughts and our attitudes. Put on our new nature created to be like God, truly righteous, and holy, and then he goes right after it. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. John, as you look at the gospel of John in chapter 8, verse 44, again, write that down. In John 8, 44, there's an identification of, of, of the core of lying, talking about the, the devil. He says he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he's consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when we justify lying, when we justify bending the truth, not telling the truth, little white lies or the big story that's a lie, when we do that, we're putting ourselves in the same camp as the enemy of our souls. And the great danger, as my wife reminded me in putting these notes together and working through some of this context, the great danger of lying is this. If we're willing to lie, then guess what? That allows for every other sin in our lives to run rampant. Think about it. 
Because when we have to tell the truth, when we, we want to live being honest, we talk about, I talk about accountability, having individuals that challenge how you're living, that ask you the tough questions, that, hey, how you doing? Are you faithful to your spouse? How's that going? Are you looking at anything you should be? Hey, how are you treating your kids? Are you, you know, smiling at them and God bless them in church, but then you go home and things aren't so good? How, how are things going? And when we have accountability, there's somebody that's willing to hold your feet to the fire, to ask you the tough questions. But, but if, if even in, in accountability, you're going to lie about, oh, I'm doing good, everything's fine, then guess what? Now you've opened the door to get away with every other sin. Do you struggle with greed? Do you struggle with pride? Do you struggle with selfishness? Do you struggle with lust or adultery? Do you struggle with, with, with stealing things from your, your, your workplace and justify it? What is it for you? Because if you're willing to lie then chances are you're going to hide some of those or all of those or one of those sins in your heart. And you're going to get away with it at least for a season. That's the danger of lying. So as we get into it, the devil's plan for you and, and for me is first of all this, number one, get us to lie. Let me go back to what I said in ways that we sort of justify, you know, us lying. Do, do, do we lie by exaggerating stories to impress other people? It's funny because fishermen, it's kind of a big joke about guys who fish or gals who fish. And you, you go out and you, you catch a fish. But if you take the picture just right, then guess what? If you move your arms toward the camera and you got the fish in your hand, this fish looks like it's this big. Or this way, and you hold it like this, but if you hold it out this way rather than right up against your body, then instead of it looking this big, when you zoom into the camera, it looks way bigger. And fishermen are, no, are apparently notorious, and I'm not looking at anyone in particular, Steve, notorious for, so, did I, I just, I'm so, anyway. Um, but do we exaggerate? And again, one little example, but do we exaggerate to impress people around us? How about simply cheating? Do, do we, in our workplaces, we've got ongoing education or tests we have to take for certain things, or maybe it goes all the way back to college or, or high school or junior high. I can remember a time, and like I said, I didn't grow up in church world, but I can remember in eighth grade at Marysville Junior High School, it's now Toto Middle School, I can remember taking a test, and I, got, I wasn't the greatest kid, so it was test day in history, and I had Miss Harlan, and I had to get kicked out of the class, and I sat outside taking my test while everyone else was inside the portable taking their test, but that's a gift because you know what I can do? Now I can get out all my notes and nobody gets to see me. So I get out all my notes and I'm using all my notes to take this test that's not an open book or open note test. And at one point the teacher comes out and she's checking out what I'm doing. I'm like just taking my test. And I've got all my notes pinned underneath my test. It's awesome. Totally getting away with it. So she goes back in the classroom. I get out my notes some more. She comes back a couple minutes later. I've got notes everywhere. <laughs> what are you doing? I go, this isn't an open note test. Needless to say, I failed that test. So anyway. But do we cheat? What about this? Do we lie about where we are? Is there something in us where we, 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 we go somewhere and we ah, probably shouldn't go there, probably shouldn't do that, or, or you know, who we're with? We lie about who we're with because we don't want our spouse to realize what we were actually doing or where we actually were. And, and again, I go, I go back to, to my life growing up, and, and this is all in Marysville. I was joking earlier with somebody about, I kind of feel like maybe in some ways I destroyed the city, so God's like, you're going to pastor there someday. So that's, anyway. Um, but me and my friends would say, hey, I'm staying at so-and-so's house. And they, I would say, like, Nick, hey, hey Mom, I'm going to stay at Mike's house. And Mike would go, hey, I'm going to stay at Nick's house, which meant we had to be nowhere. It was awesome. So we would stay out all night, and we would, like, pick up garbage and clean people's flower beds. And Anyway, no, I'm 
Okay, we, no, we wouldn't do that. Um, we would do all kinds of things that you shouldn't do, but this is what, when you're 12 and 13 and 14 years old and you sneak out and hang out all night, you do things you really shouldn't do. We lie about where we are, and as adults, it's even more uh, a bigger deal than that. H- how about this, making something up about somebody? Have you ever... Um, maybe perpetuated gossip or perpetuated a rumor and come to find out later on it wasn't true, but you continue to let that thing go. And and maybe because you had angst against somebody or there was some bitterness against another person, you just let that sit there because you knew it would make them look bad, which in turn would make you look better. Or because you didn't like that person or you were in a fight or whatever it was, you're willing for others to believe something because at least they would take your side. And I know nobody wants to nod their head but, but these are, again, things that sometimes we do. The devil's plan is to get us to lie. What about partial truth? Leaving out little details because everything's awesome except this part of it, so we leave that part of it out so people think this is grandiose and you know the truth. Painting a story for our own benefit. The first thing is this. The devil's plan for us is to get us to lie. The second thing would be this, and it's just a progression that that it follows, is this, get you to lie to yourself. So not just to lie to others, but what happens is as we live a life that that we get away with little white lies and other types of lies that maybe aren't so little, what happens is we we get to lie to ourselves and, and we start rationalizing. Anybody who's ever lied about something, the problem with lying about something and somebody asking you about it is you've got to continue to lie about other things to keep the story going. And there comes a point where it's really hard and really exhausting to try to keep up with all the lies that you've spun. And so we we start rationalizing and we double down on lies and we lie so often that we can start believing our own lies. I I watched uh, the story of Bernie Madoff a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. Um, We recorded it and watched it at our house and, and I was surprised Bernie Madoff is the guy who in 2008, 2000, I was caught in a, in a Ponzi scheme that was $65 billion. And, and it came to a head, obviously, when the economy crashed and, and he's found out and he had I mean, just an absolute disaster. But what amazed me in interviews, even leading up to, to maybe even today, but in different interviews, his comment was this, but those people were so greedy. What do you, he would call them, I got a great deal for you, and if you got $100 million, if you invest and get in today, I got five people I'm going to let do this, but if you want to get in, I need to know today because if you don't, I got other people I need to call. I got a great opportunity here. And he would swindle them out of money, but his point was this, they were so greedy. He wasn't even looking at himself and what he had done to lie to people to extort them out of their money. And at some point, it was such a, such a huge web of lies that he couldn't even see the truth. He thought, at some point, I can get myself out of this. At some point, if things can line up just right, it will all be okay somehow if I can just get enough money. So he kept going and kept going and kept going, and it went on for a couple of decades. And yet he would say, they were so greedy, though. You don't understand how greedy all these people were, not thinking about himself and what he had done but thinking more about the other people that he was working with. We, we start to lie to ourselves. We think to ourselves, aside from the Bernie Madoff, that, that sometimes the lies that, that we live or the things that we say that are bending the truth, here's what we think. I'm not hurting anybody. And, and yet, in a moment, I want to kind of paint the picture a little better. That's not true. When we live in lies, even little white lies, we're actually damaging our, our ability to have a real relationship with another individual. 
And yet we play the card all the time. Well, it's no big deal. Well, it just keeps us from getting in conflict. Well, smooth things over and we're okay. We keep going. And then, of course, here's the behavior of an addict. We could quit at any time. Here's what I want you to think about this week. When, when, when you're going throughout this week and, and you're sitting down in a conversation or you're talking about something, I want you to think about, am I telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Because what you might find more than you would realize right now is, yeah, I left part of the story out. Yeah, I didn't tell the whole truth. Yeah, I said, I said the nice thing rather than the, the truth because it was just too hard to say the truth. And you might be surprised how often in any given week or maybe even any given day that we do that. There's a story in 1 Samuel 15, something you can look up later, just write that down, 1 Samuel 15. And, and the Amalekites had treated Israel horribly and done horrible, horrible, horrible things to the, to the nation. And Samuel the prophet goes to Saul, who's king, and, and says, you need to uh, take care of all of them. Take them out. Now is your time. You've got enough uh, you know, army and all this. And take them out. Deal with all of it. All of it. Deal with all of it. Nothing should live. And so the, the army of Israel rises up and, and, and deals with their enemy, and, and then they bring back plunder, and they bring, bring back like all the sheep and, and, and stuff like that, and, and Saul's gloating, and, and Samuel shows up, and basically is like, Saul, how's it going? And, and Saul's just elated. Man, we took him out. We did what God said. We did awesome. And Samuel's like, oh, you really did, huh? Yeah, absolutely. We did everything we were supposed to do. And there's sheep in the background, like, <laughs> you know, and, um, and Samuel's like, well, then why do I hear sheep? And he said, well, I mean, we, we brought him back as plunder. I mean, you know, he said, well, God said not to do that. And Samuel tries to justify and then spins the intimidation of other people and, and, and why he's lying to, to Samuel and really lying to himself and lying to God. And it just becomes a mess. And that's the turning point in, in Saul's kingship. Things begin to turn from that moment on where David kind of begins to come into the picture because God's like, I've had enough with this situation. Saul was not being honest and he tried to justify as he even lied to himself. So the first thing is to get us to lie. But, but the progression there is, is number two, to get us to, to lie to ourselves where we can't even, we don't even know the truth sometimes. And then the third thing is this, it becomes that we're living a lie. Think, think about different people, the, the, the Christian guy at your workplace, but he's got a raging you know, porn addiction or, or the Instagram life that looks so amazing, but, but at home you know it's different even though people go, wow, click like, uh, you know, whatever. The, the mom who looks happy and posts about her kids and all these great things and yet she's battling depression and, and, and can barely survive day after day burnt out. The couple who people look at and go, wow, they're amazing. Wow, look at them. Wow, how awesome. I want to be like that. And yet you find out that behind closed doors, things are super chilly and, and not as great as you really thought that they were. The popular student at school and, and, and you see them, people emulate, I want to be like them. I want to do what they do. I want to look like they look. I want to have that personality. Everybody likes them. They're the popular student. And yet that popular student on the inside is dying. On the inside is insecure. On the inside is battling their own issues. We begin to live in a lie. And where does that come from? And let me just say this, at the core of, of you and I spinning the truth, at the core of you and I leaving certain portions, out of the core of you and I trying to keep things calm, and, and so we, we, we cover over the truth, ultimately we lie because we don't fully trust God. And I just want to get to the heart of it and make sure that we understand that. That, that ultimately, we, what we're trying to do is take a matter into our own hands, and by deceiving, we end up in the enemy's camp instead of doing what God would have us do. 
and live telling the truth. We lie ultimately because we don't fully trust God. And even in Matthew chapter 15, at the core, Jesus says the things that come out of a person's mouth, listen, come from the heart. And these things defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are the things that defile a person. See, I can share story after story of my life and at times my battle with lying and the truth is I don't want to raise my hand just like you don't. Oh sure, in the 42 and a half years I've been alive, I've told lies before and everybody goes, yeah, we all have, Pastor. Yeah, and in the last 24 hours I told a lie. Why do I lie? Why do I lie? And I, I had to do some introspection on this. You know why I lie sometimes? Because I don't want to hurt other people's feelings. And that seems noble, but it comes from a place of pride. Why do I lie? To protect myself. Why do I lie? To look better than I am. And it brings up the question, why do we lie? But let's make it a little more personal now. Why do you lie? You might show up on a Sunday and hear me speak and at times go, why does he share all that stuff about himself? I don't want to know the guy's a loser. <laughs> and to be honest with you, there's times where it definitely feels uncomfortable to tell you. Why does your pastor lie? And I don't even like to have to say it. But you know what I've committed to myself a long time ago? It really is my goal to not get away with anything. It is. And so I want to share with you the fact that I am a real person. And not as an excuse to do dumb things. No, at the core, I want to be like Jesus every day. And I'm praying and I'm letting God work in my heart and I'm giving introspection and time to, to man, Lord, what is, what is my motive here? Why did, that, why did I say that? Why did I do that? And so I want to be as transparent as possible, but ultimately, it's my goal. I don't want to get away with anything. I don't want the scandal. I don't, we don't need the, oh, I went there and that was a great church and things were going good, but yeah, he was living this life. And you know what I especially don't want? For something like that to happen to my own wife or my kids or they trust me. You realize trust is the foundation of every relationship? And if you don't have trust, you don't have a relationship? That's why this is such a big deal. That's why I share with you not just the funny things about before Christ and some dumb little kid sneaking out and doing bad things to cars as a kid. Because we can excuse that. Oh, that was 20-some years ago, 30-some years ago. But the fact that every day, and the reason is because I want you to think about yourself. We would be fools to assume we're above this conversation. I didn't need to come today. I don't lie. I'm just not sure that's true with at least most of us. That whether, like I said, it's the little white ones or well, I just bent the truth a little or I just kept that part of the story out or we justify that, well, I was, the motive was good. I didn't want them to get upset. I couldn't just say it in that moment. But get down to the core. 1 John 2, 4 says this, if someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commands, that person is a liar and not living in God's truth. 
See, here's the crazy thing about lies, briefly. Here's how we think about our lies. We think in justifying how we lie or the, you know, whatever we call them, that lies will bring us security. When ultimately what lies do is create a dark internal fear in us, especially if we're having to string lies together to keep a story going. That we're terrified that what if it gets out? What if they find out? What if my wife, what if my, my, my boss, what, if, what is it for you? What are my friends? We think they'll bring us security, and yet what it creates in us is an inner darkness and fear. Sometimes we lie because the benefit of it is we'll get more. Well, if I lie about this, they'll think I'm better, and I'll get the promotion, or they'll like me more, whatever, whatever that is. We think we'll get more, and yet what, what happens is we'll have less of what really matters. It's funny because even in a simple example with my family, we play board games and, and, and connect like that, different, different games, and we talk about it different times. There's no reason to cheat because ultimately, even if you win, you know you didn't really win. And that's a kid example. That's a simple example of what plays out in our lives. I got the promotion, but I'm living a lie. I got the raise, but I'm living. I got the job, but I'm not being truthful. I got this benefit, but it's, but it's not honest. See, we think we'll have more but we'll have less of what really matters. And then finally this, we, we lie because we think it'll help people like us. When ultimately a relationship based on lies is not a relationship, which I said a few minutes ago. So that, that's the enemy's plan. Here's God's plan. God's plan is this, and I mentioned it in John 8, that we can identify that Satan is the father of lies. That when we lie, that we're joining his camp. And that none of us in here would go, I want to be in that camp. No, no, we don't want to be. And so it's identifying God's plan is realizing that there is an enemy of our souls that lives a world of lies that when we do that, we're joining his camp. And then the second thing would simply be this. Yet Jesus is the truth. And the truth will set us free. See, the joy of living with a clear conscience, the joy of living, being honest to, to individuals around you and family and friends or accountability part, the joy of that is that we live in freedom. I don't have to wonder, what did I lie about yesterday that I have to keep going with those people because I told them a lie. The freedom and the joy of being transparent. Satan's the father of lies, but Jesus is the truth, and the truth will set us free. So how do we deal with lies? Well, the first thing is this, we confess. F follow me here, but the first thing is 1 John 1, 9. Take, if you're taking notes, write it down. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even where you're sitting right here today, just right where you're at in your own head, God, where do I lie? God, where do I withhold the full truth? Where, where do I spin tails? Where do I try to look better than I am? And I believe as the Holy Spirit shows you here now or tomorrow or whatever time this week, that, that as you confront that, that you can say, God, forgive me for that. Now, let me give you a word of caution here. Instead of just simply praying, hey, God, yeah, you know, I lie sometimes, forgive me. I would really do this. Lord, show me where I've been lying. And whether it's this morning 
whatever you're doing, or it was yesterday or this weekend, or it was a week ago, or it was a month ago. Here's why I say that. Because when we get specific about where we've sinned, and we can go, God, last Tuesday when I was with them and I said that and that wasn't really true, God, would you forgive me for that? Here's what it does. It, it not only brings that up so you can deal with it, and God does forgive you, by the way, when we do that, but the next step is this. The next time you're there, oh, this Tuesday, I'm going to be there again, and, and, and we're going to be in a conversation, and I have a tendency to lie. It, it keeps you from going right back and falling prey to that same thing because you're far more aware that that's where and when you lied. Does that make sense? So I would encourage you to, to allow the Holy Spirit to stop and, and, and let introspection happen. God, would you show me specifically? Where do, where do I try to look better than I am? Where do I tell the little white lies? Where am I not living in the truth in a relationship? Lord, show me that. Lord, okay, it was last Friday, and God, please forgive me for this, and, and here's what happened. And God forgives you. And now you're more aware next time you're with that person or those people or that situation and that gathering, I'm not gonna do that again. So the first thing is this, dealing with lies, um, we confess to God for forgiveness and then to people for healing. James 5, 16 Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. And this is one that, that is probably not a real popular verse. Like, let's just avoid that one because that's awkward. Let's just keep it between us and God. I, we're reading a book as a team called Leadership Pain that we will only grow to the threshold of our ability to endure pain, tough decisions, situations, you know, trying to get better at what we do as a church. But one of the chapters, it always opens with a story of a pastor. And one of the chapters talks about a pastor who, who had, he just would exaggerate. He had a deal where he just would exaggerate stuff and, and he was just spending time in prayer and the Holy Spirit specifically called him out on it. You lie to people. You exaggerate the truth to look better than you are. And now you need to go to them and tell them. And he's like, this is gonna feel devastating. But he knew, he knew, he knew he needed to go to those people. Here's what we do when you think of that in your own life. I gotta talk to them about that. You think, this is going to destroy my reputation. This is going to destroy me. People aren't going to trust me. They're going to think I'm a liar or whatever. When, when oftentimes, oft, honestly, oftentimes the opposite is true. When we're willing to go to somebody and say, can I just be honest? Remember last Tuesday? We were all hanging out and a bunch of us. Remember when I said that? I just need you to know something. I feel dumb, but that wasn't true. Or, you know, I only told part of the story. And I left part of it out because it made me look dumb. Whatever it might be, that when we do that, it actually serves to, to, to bring a, a, a greater strength to relationships because people realize, let's be true to each other. Let's be honest with each other. Let's own those things that we need to own rather than living in a fake relationship that's not based on truth. And so it's amazing how if we're willing to stop and go, hey, when this happened and I said and that's what went on, I, I didn't approach it right. I, I didn't tell the truth, forgive me. Instead of living in the fear of it dissolving a relationship, while it may be more difficult in those moments, honestly, I really believe this, for the most part, it will serve to strengthen your relationships. And it, it rids the enemy of his ability to have a foothold in your life. So confessing, because we don't want to hide anything. Let me just say this as we wrap this up. At the beginning of John's gospel in chapter one, I'm gonna read these two, I'm gonna read these two verses. It's verse 14 and verse 17. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Talking about Jesus. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Did you hear that? Full of grace and truth. 
Fast forward just to verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. One of the great dangers of this conversation is that we feel like it's our job now just to blurt out the truth without thinking of what it means to be gracious in truth. And yet John's reminder at the beginning of his gospel is that grace and truth go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. If all we do is, is I gotta tell the truth, but there's not grace in it, that's how we offend and burn bridges and get people all upset because there's not grace involved in that. When we do the opposite and it's all grace, but there isn't truth involved, then we let people get away with things and do things and believe things they shouldn't and, and all that stuff, and there, there's no foundation for it. They have to go hand in hand, and it's about living in a full measure of both. And, and John identifies that specifically comes through our connection to the Spirit of Christ in us. That's how we pull it off. And we can get into every nuance and go, well, what about this? What about that? And how do I say? And you're saying truth, but what about? And I can't answer that in every moment, but I really, in this moment, but I really believe that because the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, lives inside of us if we surrender our lives to Christ, that he can show us how to deal with that. Grace and truth. They have to go together because otherwise it becomes an absolute mess one way or the other. God, today... This is probably a big conversation, and I think maybe for some of us, you know, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm a liar, but boy, there's those little white lies, or boy, I bend the truth, or boy, I leave out certain portions, or, you know, I make people kind of maybe look worse because I don't like them, and I want other people to like me, and there's all kinds of, of motives, and, and ultimately, I really believe in the midst of pride and, and all that stuff that it comes down to our ability to trust you, and we would confess all day long, we want to be the kind of people that trust you. But part of it is, God, can we deal with this issue in our lives? Can we allow your Holy Spirit to show us, hey, you know, here's what you do. And, you know, here's what you've got to do to make it right. And here's where it needs to stop because it isn't healthy. It isn't good. It isn't really helping you even though you think you're getting away with whatever. Even though you think you're smoothing things over because it's easier not to say what maybe needs to be said. God, help us to live in Christ, to live in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.